0: Well this morning, got to turn it on Kelly. Well this morning I want to talk with you about part of this series of this idea of passion. And one of the things that I, I think we sometimes forget is the physical aspect of our lives. I don't know last time you were sick. Did you feel very spiritual? <laughs> Probably not. When you're hurting, when you you know, I have been through a couple of shoulder surgeries. I got to tell you those weeks were not real spiritual for me although the drugs made me feel good with pain, you know what I'm talking about? But I didn't really want to spend a lot of time in God's Word. I didn't really want to spend a lot of time praying. I didn't want to do a lot of the spiritual stuff that we need to be doing as the children of God to be the people of God. And so our our physical lives affect our spiritual life in ways that we don't realize. And this morning I want to talk to you about this idea of of the things that we struggle with. You know, all of us have a struggle. All of us have certain things that we deal with. All of us have certain things that we have a a propensity toward that tends to not tends that can draw us away from the things of God. As a student of God's Word, I've always been blown away by some of the passages that have made it into Scripture that God put in there. You know, you read stories about David having an affair, an adulterous affair. You go, why did he put? Why did that get in there? Like Joseph, uh, as our Bible study this morning in some of our Sunday school classes was about how he got thrown in a well and sold off by his brothers. And you're thinking, man, why is that in the scriptures? The passage this morning or the related passage to this morning is is one that you kind of go, what in the world? How did this get in here? You, You probably know that Paul was instrumental in planting the church at Corinth. And uh, it it was one of his earliest churches, 49, 50 A.D., somewhere along in there. And the church at Corinth was planted in a very secular, very pagan culture. You're talking, wow. Uh, And because of that, the people of God had to be super diligent to maintain healthy lives so they could be found faithful. But apparently in that church, there were some struggles. Um, And we'll get to those in the message. But I want you to see this because... Uh, often when we read one of these passages and you go, my goodness, how in the world could a David do what he did? How can the, the guy at Corinth do what he did? We sometimes want to focus on their sin because, let me tell you, it's a lot easier to what? Look at somebody else's sin than to consider our own. But we look at that and go, oh, I'd never do something like that. That's awful. That's disgusting. That's terrible. That's nasty. I wouldn't do that. But often we're blind, aren't we, to our own struggle the one that draws us away from God. And so this morning what I want to do with the sermon outline is 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 to build a sentence that will kind of explain what we're talking about that you'll have it to go home with you if you're doing that this morning. But I want us to see this because I believe there's some things that we can grasp here about our own struggles that draw us away from the passion that God has for us. So we're going to pick up in verse 12 chapter 6 and Paul says this to the church that he planted that he loved, that he cared for, he said this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So we begin our thought this morning with this, while many things are allowable, dot, 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 because the sentence is going to go on. While many things are allowable, Paul begins a section. He's talking to a church that's living in a very pagan culture. One commentator describes Corinth this way. It was Las Vegas on steroids. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, Vegas is not known as a real moral place. A lot of crazy things go on there. And this is worse than that? Yes, to say they tolerated and even embraced perversion would be to say it quite mildly. Yet, this was their hometown. This is where they were from. This was their place. This was where their kids were being raised. This is where they met Jesus. This is where they were going to live. And the amazing thing about coming to faith in Jesus is this. They had been set free from their sin. Their forgiveness in Jesus had actually put them on a new pathway that they could find that many things are allowable, but not all things are beneficial. You're going, wow, that's kind of an interesting concept. I don't know if I've ever thought about it that way. One of the amazing things about following Jesus and being empowered by the Holy Spirit is this. We are allowed to do many things, but not everything is good for us. So we have to make choices. Look at, Listen to Galatians 5.1. Paul told the church there this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Can we just put a period there and stop? I like that, don't you? I can do whatever I want to do. I can do anything I want to do in my life. I can go anywhere I want to go. I can do all the things. Wait, 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 stop. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. But what else does he say? Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. When you were a lost sinner, you were under the yoke of slavery. You were like a bo- a, an, an ox with a, 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 a yoke on you, driving you in a direction that was not good. But in Christ, you've been set free from that. You may still be an ox, you with me? But you don't have to be driven into slavery and sin any longer. We've been set free. Followers of Jesus, we've been set free from that stuff. But it doesn't mean that they could do anything they wanted without any consequences. Just because something was lawful didn't mean it was actually helpful to their walk in the Lord. And just because something was lawful didn't mean the action needed to dominate them in their lives. So they need a decision to be made. What? I'm going to choose to live my life in a way that goodness and mercy reveal in me on a regular basis, even though all things are allowable. Because I want Jesus to be my passion. I want him to be the center of my life. So many things are allowable, second, but we each have that one area, that one area. You all with me? So while everything's allowable, we all have at least one area where we face significant struggle. To illustrate the point, what Paul does here is he lays out two examples. Look at the verse, verse 13. He says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and, for the, Lord, and the Lord for the body. And here you're going, why is he talking about those two things? Travel with me to Corinth, you know, Vegas on steroids. This was a place that had been destroyed by an earthquake about a 100 years before Paul got there. So they had it had set fallow for about three or four decades, and then the emperor decided it was too valuable a location. So they rebuilt it because it was a port city, and they began to build new things. So this was a new city. And in the process of building that, they built all these different pagan temples where People go and worship all the pagan gods of the ancient world, and pagan worship was wow, wild. The things they did in the name of their gods would just terrify most of us, the things they would do. And the things that they did centered on two areas. Guess what they were? Food and sexuality. We're not going into details because of the mixed-age conversation we're having this morning. But you understand this was not a positive experience for someone who was a child of God to say pure and holy in. The things they did in that setting would have utterly shocked even us as 21st-century Americans, okay? We would have looked at that and gone, oh, my goodness. They had feasts. They would have food. They would have sexuality and all these other things. They would be eye-opening to us. So it wasn't surprising to learn that the church at Corinth struggled with two areas guess what they were? Food and sexuality. If you look through the first letter of the Corinthians, you find that Paul gets on to them about drinking and gluttony at the Lord's Supper, and they have a situation with one man and a woman that should not have been going on, and yet the church kind of looked at and goes, but that's the way it is. And Paul said, stop. There's all kinds of perverse things in this town, and Paul writes these things to correct them, to consider them to get on a better pathway. But consider this, every one of us has an area that we're predisposed to sin. You say, well, I don't have a problem with overeating. I don't have a problem with sexuality, so I'm good. I think Paul's using this as more as an illustration of what issues that they were struggling with to help them understand. For some people, it is food. For some people, it is sexuality. Okay, but for others, it could be gossip. Is their area that drags them away from holiness, or bitterness, or anger, or jealousy, or financial security, or wanting to be in control of everybody's life around you? See, we all have areas that we struggle. Scriptures in the King James translation calls that a besetting sin—the sin that we struggle with, that we we have in our life I call it that one area what's that one area and so the question we need to ask ourselves is what is that one area that draws us away from a passion for God what is that one thing that we personally really struggle with we go well I don't have their problems I'm good well you probably have your own problems let me rephrase that you have your own problems and the question is is how are you managing those how are you dealing with those how are you working through those Paul in Hebrews tells them this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and what? Sin, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Once we recognize that area and we recognize the truth that we all have certain areas that we struggle with, we can then say, okay, now I can identify those things. I can see those things. I can face those things. I can overcome those things with strength from the Lord. We may take a trusted friend to help us see what it is. Or if we're just honest with ourselves, we might just look in the mirror and go, there it is. We need to do whatever it takes to figure those things out so that we can allow our passion for the Lord to flourish. I can't tell you how many people who followers of Jesus have found themselves sidelined because they've allowed this blind spot in their life to take them out of faithfulness and to damage their witness put them in a situation where God isn't able to be glorified like he wants to be. So many things are allowable. We have that one area, and yet we're called to what? A higher standard. Look at verse 14. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Now, so many things are allowable, and we have that one area, but we have been called to what? A higher standard. Again, he's using the illustration of the struggle that the Corinthian church was facing, this idea of sexuality. He says you've got to rise above that, Ugliness in your culture. I think that's an appropriate word for us today, my friends. We live in a culture where it's almost, almost everything goes. Here was a church living in a pagan boomtown where all kinds of things weren't just allowed, they were celebrated. Sound familiar? The perversions were celebrated in their culture, but God calls them to a higher standard. Same thing for us. The reality is the church at Corinth had two main areas they struggled in. We've already identified them, what? Food and sex, okay? you yeah, with me? But just because the world was willing to settle for such a pitiful existence didn't mean it was acceptable for the church of the living God to do the same thing. Nor is it okay in our day for us to go, well, the world does it. It's okay for us to do it. No, it's not. God had saved them. He had granted them the Holy Spirit. He had gifted them at least one spiritual gift, and he called them to live out the higher calling of God. They were expected to rise above the ugliness of the world and show the presence and power of God, just like we are. Because if they allowed themselves to sink in the pit of immorality, here's what would happen. They would be deadened to their spiritual walk with the Lord. Their passion would be cooled. Their ability to be faithful to God would be diminished. You say, well, but I don't have that problem. No, but you and I have that one area that is our struggle. Paul would remind the church at Corinth in the next letter he writes, them. he says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We have been changed by the presence of God. Now we go live it. Now don't become arrogant in that and go, well, I'm something special. I'm better than everybody else, but we do need to embrace our new identity. Some of these phrases in the New Testament are, are just amazing, and we, I think we forget them. It's like this, I am a child of the king. I am a child of the king, of kings, Lord of lords. I am a friend of God. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. These and so many more should hang on us like an appropriate moniker that says this is who I am, and it changes it. And I'm not who you say I am, and I'm not who I say I am. I am who the king of kings says I am. I'm somebody. And if we grasp that, we begin to live out to that higher standard. So many things are allowable. We have that one area, yet we're called to a higher standard. So what do we do? Two things. Run away from your sin. Now, you notice I didn't say run away from sin. That's implied in that statement. I want you to take this and make it very personal. Run away from your sin. What is your sin? Look at verse 18. Again, he's using the illustration of the church at Corinth. That's their struggle. But I think the the principles are applicable across the board. Look at verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Apparently, the church at Corinth really had a struggle with this particular issue. And for them to be the church that God wanted them to be, they needed to deal with this situation. You're going, what situation are we talking about? If you go back to chapter 5, you read the story, and you go, oh, my goodness. It seems one man had somehow become involved with his father's wife, not his mother, his father's wife. So I'm thinking stepmother would be the best description for us, and became involved with her. Y'all follow the meaning, okay? how that happened, we don't know. Why it happened, we don't know. But we're told it happened and it needed to stop. And it seems that the church at Corinth was, yeah, okay with it. Because it was okay in the culture. It didn't really matter. But to them, Paul says, in no uncertain terms, stop it. Run from your sexual immorality. Flee it. Get away from it. Why? Because it can damage your ability to be passionate for the Lord. You're going, but I don't have that issue. No, but you got your one area that can damage you, that can damage me. The big big idea is not just to decline to be involved. Oh, I'm not going to be involved in that. But to actually run from it. Run away from it. Get away from it. For some, again, it's sexual sin. Some, it's gluttony because that's the other big issue at the church. But still... It could be something else. It could have been gossip or slander or jealousy or a thousand other things. But they understood, because as they understood what their besetting sin was, then they could say, I'm going to avoid that and stay away from it. You go, I don't understand. James described it this way. He says, but each person is tempted when he is lured. And notice this, enticed by his what? His own desire. You may say to me, I don't have a problem with sexual temptation. Great. You may say, I don't have a problem with gluttony. Man, I'm jealous, okay? Now I have a problem with jealousy. Anyway, but we all have that one area, don't we? We all have those particular areas that we personally struggle with, our desire, our thing that drives us. And when we allow those temptations to remain in our lives, it opens us to, to having sin not only continue, but expand and grow and become more passionate. And we're missing our passion for the Lord. Some sins do have more serious consequences. Don't misunderstand. But any sin draws us away from God. And why would we want that in our lives? So many things are allowable. We have that one area. We're called to a higher standard. So run away from your sin and glorify God in We're called to be people who bless God and bless others, to glorify God, and I would even say glorify others, encourage others, lift each other up. Look at verse 19. He says, "Or do you not know that your body?" Now remember, we're talking about this idea of the physical, how our physical bodies can draw us and damage us, and and keep us from being the people that God wants us to be. As we allow the sin that besets us to hang around us like you know yesterday's garbage. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are what? Not your own. Oh, no, I'm, I'm my own. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I'm the king of my world. No, if you're a child of God, scriptures tell us plainly, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. See, many things are allowable, but a lot of things are not good for us. And we all have that one area that we struggle with. Thankfully, we've been called to a higher standard. So we have to choose, are we going to embrace sin or run from it? And all of this happens for one reason. Why? To glorify God. You say, well, I thought my life was about providing for my family and building a nest egg for myself to retire someday and to get my kids through (laughs) college which is my life right now. That's all part of it. Don't misunderstand. But at the root of it all, we're supposed to have a what? A passion for God and to glorify God in everything we do. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I can't glorify God in my life. I got to tell you, God calls us to be glorifying him in whatever path we have in life. Whether you're a sales guy or a garbage collector, delivery man, Cut trees for a living. You do it to the glory of God. And all of this happens so that God is glorified. Many of us don't live our lives with a mindset that, we says this, that says this, I'm here to bless God. We want to be in charge. We want to be the boss. We want our life. But what if we followed the words that Paul had for the church at Corinth in these two verses? What if we grasped the amazing truth that when Jesus saved us, he redeemed us with his blood and we're no longer our own? What if we grasp the big picture that says God is way more important to me than anything else? What if we live that? You know, we live in a day where it's very easy to say, I believe in Jesus. Huh. But we miss the depth and the breadth of the fuller relationship. Following Jesus, i got to tell you, is much more than just going to church. It's engaging in this ongoing relationship with a passion for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's to live life passionately and intimately with God on a regular basis where we're being changed from the inside out. We're becoming a new person literally day by day by day. To live in a way that the Holy Spirit's guiding us and leading us along the way. And for some, like at Corinth, it is the idea of managing sexual sin. For others, it is dealing with the issue of gluttony. For others, it's something else. But we do it in order that we are living as the temple of the Holy Spirit, a person whose entire life is sold out and committed to God. We reflect His presence. And we show that our passion is real. To live how Paul challenged the Roman church. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God to be growing, to have a passion for God that says, I, I, I've read this passage before, I've studied this passage before, but look at this, I never saw this, I never experienced that, I never heard this, the depths of his, re- the wisdom of his, of, his, of his reality, the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Sometimes we go, well, I know John 3.16, I'm good. There's more to it than that, guys. And when we do this, I believe people will look at our lives and go, look what they have. They've got something. Not religion. They don't just go to the First Baptist. They know Jesus. Let me tell you what, going to First Baptist is great. Glad you're here. Following Jesus is way bigger and way better. Having that relationship with God, living with him as our passion, that's the kind of life I want for you. Can I tell you something? That's the kind of life I want for me. I want your life to be filled with his presence, filled with his grace, filled with his mercy, filled with the passion. So many things are allowable. We have that one area we struggle with. We're called to a higher standard, my friends. So run away from sin and glorify God. Father God, we thank you for the ability to come together and to worship you on this beautiful Sunday. Father, in the end, it really doesn't matter whether it's beautiful outside or rainy outside or cold outside or hot outside, whether our life is easy or hard or somewhere in between. God, you call us to live a life with a passion for you. And God, because of the fall of humanity, we all struggle with at least one area that is just a real bear for us that just drags us away from you God help us to learn to identify those areas to look for opportunities to, to grow in those areas and to commit our lives Father to you anew. I pray for those God who have some kind of decision in their life they know you need to make Father maybe they just need to be right where they are and just commit it to you maybe they need to come and pray at an altar maybe they need to come and share it with the church but God we want you to be our passion. We want you to be in the center of our existence. In Jesus' name we pray.